This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kuntz, and I'm along with... Cindy Jennings. We are coming to you from Duluth, Minnesota, which is the northern part of the beautiful state of Minnesota on the shores of Lake Superior. And I'm, you know, I have to say that as we were getting ready for this show, Cindy, I was most excited for this interview. I just have to say only because I don't know who Joseph Pierce is, but we're going to find out about him pretty quick. But I do know who Benedict XVI is. And so, uh, Joseph Pierce, welcome to Real Presence Live. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself before we get started, or as we get started? Yeah, sure. Um, as my as my accent will, will betray, I'm, I'm a native of England, but I've lived in the States for the last 20 years. I'm currently residing in South Carolina, uh, and I'm an author, uh, and um, uh, I've written, uh, published uh, almost 30 books, many of them with Catholic publishers such as Ignatius Press or Tan Books, um, and I'm currently director of book publishing at the Augustine Institute in Denver. That's great. So, you know, your latest book is uh, Benedict the Sixteenth, Defender of the Faith. Tell us a little bit about that book. Yes, well, I, like, like many people, um, I've been hugely influenced uh, in a in a benign way by uh, by Cardinal Ratzinger, and then when he became Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, and, and my my biography of him is is an appreciation and a tribute to a great man, and if you like. Uh, it's a defense of him. Uh, he, uh, the, the book's called Benedict the Sixteenth Defender of the Faith. So the book really is defending the defender of the faith. Uh, when is it out? It's actually published today. Uh, it's, wow. it's, <laughs> uh, yes, it's, this is the this is the official publication date. Wow, that's great! It was, uh, it's an honor to have you on that uh, on the state. You know, I, let me. Tell, I'm just going to say something really quick about my. Uh, I've had a few experiences with, with Rotzinger, but you know, before he was Pope. You know, you've been to Rome, we talked before we came on, that you've been to Rome. So he used to live in an apartment across from St. Anne's Gate. And uh, he worked across St. Peter's Square at the Congregation of Faith. And he'd, he'd walk back and forth a couple times a day through the square. And I'd see him on a regular basis, but I never wanted to bother him. You know, it's like, but now I wish I had. I wish I had gotten my photo taken with him. <laughs> but anyhow, so, uh, but, uh, so you've, you've, you've seen him in Rome, but you've never met him, correct? Yeah, in actual fact, I had a similar experience to you, and I suppose that you know that we, that he will be grateful for us not accosting him every time he's walking. I, I was the same, you know. I I, I, was, I I was at papal audiences after he became pope, but my closest encounter with him actually was similar to you. I was in St Peter's Basilica, and just all of a sudden, this man walked past me, literally, you're almost brushing shoulders with me, and I thought I recognised that face. And as he walked, just got you know walking away, I thought that was Cardinal Ratzinger. So, you know, walking by himself, uh, you know, unaccompanied, uh, just a man of the people, so to speak. But you say that he's so famous that he he was pretty thankful that everybody recognized him, didn't didn't accost him. So he's probably grateful for us in in that sense. Yeah, actually, I had a a priest friend of mine who said that he saw him walking across one time, and there's a couple of young uh, tourists that have no idea who he was, and they asked Cardinal Ratzinger to take a picture of them in front of St. Peter's. And so there's a future he's, he watched this happen and so here's a future Pope taking a picture of these two people unknowingly of, uh, of Ratzinger because Ratzinger never he dressed up he's just like a normal priest you know and so but yeah but anyhow so tell us a little bit more about your book I'm excited about this yeah, well, I think that last anecdote says a great deal about who Pope Benedict XVI was and Joseph Ratzinger uh, was as a person, uh, a very gentle man, 
who was a very holy man. Uh, and that, that example, you know, the, the second most powerful person in the church after the Pope uh, goes, goes around looking like an ordinary priest. It's one of the people in the crowd. And when he's stopped by strangers so that you recognize him, tourists, he's happy to take the photograph for them. I mean, that, that I think encapsulates the holy man we're talking about. And for me, it's not, obviously not for me to canonize Benedict XVI. That's for the church to do at some point. But he was a giant figure, and we need to remember that apart from what he did as Pope, you know, he was uh, St. John Paul II's right-hand man for, for uh, almost 30 years, um, and, um, you know, 25 years in, in any event. And, you know, and, and without, without Cardinal Ratzinger's support, the, the papacy of St. John Paul II would not be what we know it to be. And we really have a great deal to thank this man for, for what we might call the Catholic Restoration, the reinvigoration of the Church following the decade or so of chaos that, that followed uh, you know, the so-called spirit of Vatican II uh, in, in the 1970s. And, and you know, I think that um, uh, Ratzinger, or I should say Benedict, had had kind of had um, a, a little bit of a handicap because he was following such a big personality in John Paul II. And so the world was so used to a, this j- massive personality for 26 years, and then here comes Ratzinger, this very humble and quiet man, Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. You know, I um, had a class at the Augusta Institute by one of the regional directors for Focus, and he was talking, the class was on leadership, and he was talking about uh, one of the the dynamics of the formation for Focus missionaries, and he talked about how it's important that Focus missionaries would raise their own funds, because he said, 
you know, that sort of an effort flexes the same muscle as the work of evangelization. Evangelization often puts us outside of our comfort zone. It makes us do something that we're not entirely comfortable with, um, and so too asking someone for money. No one likes doing that. It's, it's uncomfortable for everyone to, to ask something of someone else, but we do it because we know it's good, because it's good for the giver. It's good for the one who receives the gift. And, and I just thought there was really a profound wisdom there that mm. mm-hmm. we flex the same muscle yeah. when, when we do that, and it equips us to be more bold in our work of evangelization. Yeah. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. I was interviewed at one of the live dives, and I stated that I had sold a pickup so I could have a car that had a good radio, and so I could listen to Real Presence Radio on my way to work in the morning. It had so much static, I couldn't, went under power lines and stuff, couldn't hear it most of the time. And it's just, for me, going to work in the morning, it's just a good way to get my mind and my thought into what the day is going to present, you know, besides getting up in the morning and trying to cross myself every morning, dedicate myself to God. To start out hearing the news and the Catholic perspective in the morning at 6 o'clock and wishing I could, while I'm at work, I could be listening to more mm. of Real Presence. Uh, but it starts your day and it gets you thinking right. And it also, in listening to all the answers and, and all, all the shows, puts you uh, in the right mind. And Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform. Just search for Real Presence Radio today. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, 
We want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunzlau with Cindy Jennings. We had a little bit of a technical problem there. That's why the break was a little bit longer than it normally is. Uh, that's what you get for uh, listening to live radio. But anyway, we've been listening. We've been talking to Joseph Pierce, the author of the just released book Benedict the Sixteenth, Defender of the Faith, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and uh, Joseph, before we got so rudely cut off by bad technology, uh, we were talking about how Rotzinger had to follow the, the the really big personality of John Paul II, and so. Lots of times I think people will think of, well, Pope Benedict was great, but he was not like, wow, really, really great. But he really, really was really, really great. It's just that he followed John Paul II. And so maybe you can speak a little bit to to his significance and, and maybe that challenge of having to follow such a, a, a big personality. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, of course, we do need, in some sense, to see uh, Benedict XVI and St. John Paul II as being two of a kind. Uh, you know, St. John Paul II did choose Cardinal Ratzinger to be his right-hand man for, for basically just about the entirety of, uh, of John Paul II's papacy. So they did have much in common. They saw things very much uh, in the same way, but they were different sorts of people. And of course, then John Paul II was this very charismatic figure who was very comfortable traveling the world and, and being in front of uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, uh, whereas Benedict XVI was a more private, a more shy person who was less comfortable, you know, in public in that way. And, uh, of course, we should not be expecting every pope to be a sort of cookie-cutter clone of the predecessor. So the most important thing, of course, is for popes to be uh, ideally men striving for holiness and um, men who conform their own beliefs to the teaching magisterium, the unchanging teaching of the Catholic Church from the time of Christ. And in that sense, John Paul II uh, and Pope Benedict were were kindred spirits, and we can be grateful for both of them. Right, and you know, and I mean, for the vast majority of my life, I only knew John Paul II. So he was pope for so long, we didn't know what it was like to go from one pope to the next. Yeah, exactly. And I was very similar. I'm old enough to remember uh, the, the, the time before uh, Saint John Paul II. I didn't become a Catholic until 1989, which obviously was was uh, over a decade into uh, JP2's papacy. So, like you, you know, I, I, I became a Catholic and have grown as a Catholic you know, under, if you like, the spiritual and teaching patronage of uh, St. John Paul II. But, you know, I'm very much aware that his right-hand man through all of that time was Joseph Ratzinger, and I rejoiced, as did all lovers of, uh, of St. John Paul II, when his right-hand man, uh, Joseph Ratzinger, became Pope Benedict XVI. 
Yeah, I mean, did you his his reputation before he became pope was so skewed? Maybe you can speak a little bit to that. A lot of people say, well, he was, was what would they call him, uh, God's Rottweiler or something like that. Yeah, I addressed that in my book. I say basically the people that uh, that, that called uh, that didn't like um, Cardinal Ratzinger um, were those who don't like the teaching of the Catholic Church um, and want the Catholic Church to be become something which it's never been and cannot be because it's be contradicting the teaching of Christ as taught by the Church for 2,000 years. So what I say in my book is those that call Benedict XVI God's Rottweiler are the wolves in sheep's clothing who don't like the German shepherd. So, so yeah. that, that's the, that's the <laughs> situation there. John Paul II, remember, did like the German shepherd because he had the German shepherd as his trusted advisor and right-hand man for, for you know the whole of his papacy almost. Is there something? Is there uh, Joseph? Is there something in your book that will um, you know? There's tons of books that have been written about Benedict the Sixteenth. Is there something that you take uh, from a different perspective from other authors that you've read in how you portray and how you tell the story? I should say of of Pope Benedict. Yes, indeed. The reason I wrote my book is for two reasons. First of all, I wanted it to be a, a short, succinct. Uh, overview that would be accessible to every Catholic who wants to know more about this wonderful Pope. Um, and so, you know, it, it's not, uh, you know, a 600-page comprehensive biography. It's something which is easy to read, uh, uh, easy to digest. And if somebody just wants a quick and easy introduction to this great man, that, that's what my books tend to do. That's the first thing about it, is to be succinct and accessible. But the other is to be an unabashed um, unapologetic defense of Benedict XVI from one who had admired him greatly. Um, I make no uh, pretense about the fact that I, I think this that Benedict XVI is a giant and a holy man uh, and one that who's blessed the Church in, in innumerable ways through his witness, both as Cardinal Ratzinger and as Benedict XVI. Yeah, uh, what was your what was your response to um, um, other than shock? Obviously, but what were your initial thoughts when he resigned? Yeah, well, the best way I can describe that is is yeah, but it, it was the mirror opposite of what I experienced when he became pope. You know, when when I when I saw him emerge on the balcony, have uh, Amos Pope, and we have a pope, and here he is, Joseph Ratzinger, who's now Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. It was one of the most joyful moments in my life. I was teaching at Arvin Maria University at the time, and I remember doing an impromptu jig with the, with, with the dean of faculty, uh, just in, in absolute elation at this good news, one of, the, one of the most joyful days of my life. Well, you know, when I heard the news of his resignation, it was the opposite of that. It was deep sadness, a sense of desolation and loss that this, this man, and we knew that the church was in state hands while Pope Benedict XVI was, was, was uh, sitting uh, on the throne of Peter, um, and uh, you know, very saddened by by his by his um, resignation, but also very accepting of you know the fact he very prayerfully. I talk about this in the book. Had fairly, uh, very prayerfully um, approached the decision over uh, a long period of time, uh, and and it was uh, it's our duty, if you like, to respect his decision um, and 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 to accept and embrace the decision, however much it might personally be saddened, saddening, and, and desolating for us. It's it's crazy to think that um, uh, because he's still alive, he'd be one of the longest-serving popes in history right now if he was if he hadn't resigned. 
he certainly would have had a long papacy, you know, but I, I don't think he wanted the job in the first place. And, and again, that, that, that I think speaks greatly to him, to his, um, to his humility uh, 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 and his gentleness. That you know, he had no hankering, I don't think, to become pope. I think he was looking forward to a, to a serene and gentle retirement following uh, the election of the new pope. Uh, and yet he finds himself, you know, if you like, elevated to an even more uh, busy position than, than, than being John Paul II's white hat man. Um, and I think that we, when he got to a certain stage, there was a, no doubt at all there was corruption in the Curia in Rome, and he felt too old to be able to deal with it and was hoping that uh, you know, a younger pope might come in and tackle uh, this corruption, if you like, in, 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 the, in the Curia in Rome. And so I think that was the reason for his resignation to try to put the church in, in, in younger, more vigorous hands, because he felt himself tiring, getting old, in need of a rest, and more to the point, unable to tackle the really difficult problems that, 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 that the Pope needs to tackle. And yet we never know what, we never know how the Holy Spirit will move, because the next Pope that was elected, of course, was not necessarily a young man. No, indeed. No, I don't. I don't think. I think there's evidence to show that Benedict the Sixteenth, uh, you know, did not believe that that uh, that, that uh, Cardinal Bigodio would, would would become the next pope. I think he was expecting, uh, you know, a, a different person. But you say the Holy Spirit uh, moves in mysterious ways, and you know, we know that the gates of hell do not prevail against the Church, and uh, you know, the Church is in not only good hands but the safest hands in the Holy Spirit. Uh, we just have to trust in God's providence, and certainly I'm sure that's what Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, Pope Emeritus now, is doing in his daily prayers. Exactly. Um, let me ask you this. What, what, would, what would your favorite story of him be? What would be your, I mean, obviously, when you're a biographer, uh, whenever you write the life of somebody or about somebody, generally there's a story that really speaks to you. What would that be for you, well, Benedict? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think the part of his life that we know the least about is the one I think which is which is perhaps most formative and most important. Now, the 20th century was 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 a period of, of totalitarianism, totalitarianism, of secular fundamentalism, of people trying to build a, a paradise on earth through, through socialist ideology. And that the national socialist ideology of the Nazis was what uh, was was uh, in the ascendant in Germany. When, when, when Ratzinger was a young boy, he saw the rise of Hitler. Uh, he saw the, the, this, this tyranny in a worldly sense. And then he saw that you know, his, his country split in half and the eastern half falling under the power of, of communism. So he was very aware of, of what he would call uh, the dictatorship of relativism. And both communism and national socialism, Nazism, uh, are products of this dictatorship of relativism. And it takes many forms. And we see it now in America, we see it in other parts of, of the world. So I think that his early life as a young man, even before he became a priest, was very, was very uh, uh, much a part of his formation. And I think there were lessons that he learned as a young man that we need to learn ourselves about the dangers of following the world and, 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 the, and the worldliness of the world. G.K. Chesterton said, we don't want a pope, so we don't want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. And I think that Benedict XVI and Joseph Ratzinger was a, was a, was a man who uh, helped the church move the world and was not prepared to have the church moved by the world.
Yeah, I agree. In fact, I think one way of looking at it, um, uh, uh, Joseph uh, Pierce, is that the the number of priests that are still being ordained today that point to Pope Benedict as their primary influence. So I'm one of these guys that would claim to be of the John Paul II generation. He was my guy, you know, and I'm a little bit older. But even now, even after, you know, we're getting close to nine years now between his uh, retirement or his resignation and where we are today, and still most of the priests, most of the guys that are in seminary, in my experience, point to Ratzinger as their influence. Very much so. I, I think that, that basically the spirit of JP2, and you say that you know that we are in some sense John Paul II Catholics, we grew up un, under his inspiration and in his spirit. Well, that inspiration, that spirit continued seamlessly in the person of Benedict XVI. They were two of kind. So it's, it's, it's not surprising that the younger generation uh, will, will point to Benedict XVI as the inspiration for their vocations. And I'm sure that around the world there are thousands of priests that have been formed by this holy pope and this holy cardinal prior to his becoming pope. Yeah. You know, just uh, uh, the papacy and the history of the popes are a uh, main interest of mine. And so I, whenever I interview somebody for a job in my parish, I, I always ask them, who do, you most, who do you most identify yourself with, John Paul, Benedict, or Francis? Ooh, yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that's, that's, that's a great question to ask. And I think that you get some, if you like, inkling or indication of where someone's coming from and more to the point perhaps where they're going to. By the way, they answer that question. I think that's a great question to ask, and I think the answering of it is actually very important. Yeah. What are your, um, uh, we just have like a minute and a half here. What are your final thoughts and hopes for this book? Well, I, 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 it's a defense of this great man, and I hope that the book's got to be popular so that, 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 that it will have power in bringing this holy pope, a Benedict XVI, to the fore and, and people to see the power of his legacy to see the holiness uh, that, that was part of the inspiration for his life, and to see how grateful we all should be as Catholics for his contribution to the, uh, to the Church uh, in, the, in the 20th and early 21st century. How many pages is your book? Uh, good question. It's, it's a slim one, as I said. It, I think it's under 200 pages. So it's an easy read. It's a great introduction and a, and, and a hopefully a powerful defense of, uh, of Benedict XVI. Is there anything um, that you're excited to work on next? Have you been kind of thinking of things that you're going to work on next? Or? You, have, you have 25 <laughs> seconds to answer that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've always got new books in the mix, and I actually have a new book coming out next month in Ignatius Press, which is a history of Catholic England from the 1st to the 21st century. So I'm always oh, wow. working on new things. So, uh, yeah, keeping busy. Well, great. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Joseph Pierce, author of Benedict Sixteenth, Defender of the Faith. That is out just today. Make sure you go to Amazon or wherever you buy your books and uh, pick up a copy of that book. I know I'm going to. Uh, Joseph, I'm going to definitely I'm buy your book. Yeah. Looking forward well, to thank it. You. Thank and, you. And God bless. And thank you very much for this interview. God bless you. And thank you. Bye-bye. After this brief break, we'll be talking to David Bordner about his conversion experience. Stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 